Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. So when our second son, Cameron, was born, we found out quickly that he had some physical challenges. And and if you have had kids, you know that they feed often when they first come out of the womb, right? Let's figure that out. About how often do you feed a newborn, roughly? Every couple hours, right? So you do the math, and it just seems like it doesn't stop and it doesn't end. Well, most kids, you feed them, and then they do what they do for two hours, and you do it again, and you just kind of do that. Cameron had a little challenge. He would eat, and then after we would eat, 30 seconds, a minute, minute and a half, sometimes two minutes later, he would basically throw up everything he ate. And that was his life, and that was our life. And it went on for a week and two weeks and three weeks and a month and two months, and we'd go to the doctor, and they didn't have anything to tell us. And in that journey, we figured, okay, well, this is interesting. It wasn't something we planned. And so it is interesting how your whole life kind of changes when you are dealing with someone who throws up every day. Um, when someone gets sick, you know how to manage that for a short period of time. So we had to manage that constantly. And so uh, we discovered, you know, coverings for the couches and coverings, you know, for, you know, how many rags you needed to have with you at all times and, and how you, you know, how many wash times you had to wash more often and all this. So we went through this journey with Cameron and it was just kind of our life. And we get a year into this, a year. And finally, uh, our doctor uh, talked to us and spoke with us and said, um, well, we want you to know uh, that your son has a failure to thrive. That was the official diagnosis. I'm like, well, where was that three months ago, six months ago, nine months ago? Because once they finally gave us the official diagnosis, a failure to thrive, everything kicked into gear. Now we get the test. Now we get the this and the that and endoscopies and all this stuff. Figure out what's going on inside. And he has, like probably a lot of you have, just kind of have valve issues down there and flaps and this not closing and that. And, and so they figured all this out. They prescribed us some medicine that some of you also take, and they prescribe that medicine, and within about two days, our life completely changed. No more throwing up. And we were like, oh my goodness, we didn't realize how much that controlled our life. Our life revolved around that, his failure to thrive. Well, uh, and now... 20-something years later, it creates new challenges, as some of you guys know, and trying to figure out what, what do we do and this and that. So um, he, within a few days and then a few weeks, and now he's holding things down, and, and next thing you know, he's no longer failing to thrive, and he, he's fine today, and everything's, everything's good. But he had, in his life, a failure to thrive. And for many, perhaps most Christians... They're just surviving, like Cameron, just getting by. For most Christians, there is a failure to thrive in their life. There's a failure to thrive in their walk with Christ. Jesus told us that there's somebody who's doing everything he can to make sure you and I have a failure to thrive. Jesus said this in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the thief, or we know that the thief is the enemy, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We have an enemy who not only doesn't want you and I to thrive, he doesn't even want us to survive. This enemy literally wants to destroy you. The thief wants to steal your joy, 
to steal your morality, to steal your values, your reason for living. He wants to steal your identity in Christ. He wants to kill your dreams and your hopes and your future. He wants to destroy all of your relationships. If you're married with your spouse, if you have kids with your kids, with your friends, with your family, he wants to destroy companies. He wants to destroy churches. He's bent on destroying absolutely everything that God wants for your life. He wants you to fail to thrive. And he ultimately desires that all of us would join him in a place that we refer to as eternal death or eternal separation from God. That's been his plan. That's been his strategy since the very beginning. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 says this, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Your enemy. Everybody say enemy. Your enemy, the devil. You see, the person sitting next to you, they aren't the enemy. The boss who's giving you a hard time at work, they aren't the enemy. The unruly customer isn't your enemy. The teacher, the coach, the church, the ex, they aren't the enemy. It's the devil. And he'll use your circumstances and your situations and people to try to wreak havoc on your life because he wants you to fail. He wants you to fail at life. He wants you to fail in your job, in your relationships. He wants you to fail in every aspect of your life. He wants to fail with your purpose in life. He wants you to fail to thrive. But there's another way. You and I can actually thrive. We can experience an incredible life. We can thrive in our relationships. We can thrive in our purpose. We can thrive in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our trials, in our circumstances. We can thrive over just surviving, and that's what this series is about. We can thrive over just surviving. So where do we start in that? Well, that's what we want to talk about today. You and I can thrive when we embrace joy and the adventure of following Jesus. You and I can thrive and not just survive when we embrace joy and the adventure that is following Jesus. Here's how Jesus said it. In John 10.10, he said, The thief has come to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come, Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. One translation says, have it abundantly. Now, that Greek word for full or abundantly is the Greek word parisos, fascinating, fascinating definition. It, when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life to the full, life abundantly, it literally means greater, exceeding, exceedingly. It means preeminence. I love this one. It means advantage. That's an interesting thought when you think about Jesus' words. It means overflowing, and it means having a surplus. One commentator explained this passage this way. He said, they, referring to people who follow Jesus and seek Jesus, they said, they shall not merely have life, simple, bare existence, but they shall have all those super added things which are needful to make their life eminently blessed and happy. Jesus wants you to thrive. He wants you to experience life to the fullest. He wants to give you an abundant life, not a failing life, not a floundering life, not simple, bare existence. He wants to make your life eminently blessed and happy. 
Now, this passage, talking of abundant life, it has two components to it. It has the eternal component, the eternity component, and that's part of what's going on here. The devil wants to destroy you here on earth, but he ultimately wants to destroy you in your sins and be eternally separated from God. And so Jesus says, I have come that you may have life. He's talking eternal life, that you can be forgiven of your sins. That's part of what Jesus is talking about. But this passage also refers to the quality of your life here on earth. That far too often, too many Christians have settled for less than what Jesus has offered us. We've misunderstood the Christian Christian life, an experience with Jesus, and I see it all the time. I've been involved in people's life and ministry enough over the years, the last 30 years, and meeting with people, seeing people's life, counseling with people. I've seen enough to know that far too many Christians have settled, and they haven't experienced the abundant life in Jesus. And and I want to give you some of what that might look like for those who aren't experiencing abundant life in Jesus. It's not an all-inclusive list, but it's some of those things that I look, I see, I observe. And as you listen to this, you might find yourself saying, well, man, that one's me, or that's been my life. And if that's the case, you're just not experiencing the abundant life that Jesus has for you. So, for example, and again, I see it all the time. And if you're, if you're married and your relationship with your spouse is awful, I just have news for you. You aren't experiencing the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. If you don't enjoy your work, guess what? You aren't experiencing life and purpose the way Jesus intended you to experience it. You're not experiencing abundant living in Jesus. If there's no purpose in your life, guess what? The devil's killed and stealed and stolen and destroyed your vision of abundant living in Jesus. If you're a divisive person or a contentious person or a, a jealous person, if you find that you're, you're angry and you constantly succumb to temptation, if, if you find you're, that you gossip and you won't forgive people, you're not experiencing the abundant life the way Jesus came to give it to you. If you find that you love material possessions and you want more than anything to be comfortable and warm and happy, even though you're up to debt in your eyeballs, you're not experiencing the abundant life Jesus has for you. If you lie to others, or, or maybe you dread being with others, if you find yourself saying, man, I, the reality is I just know I'm a hypocrite. If you're full of religious zeal, and you're a pharisaical protector of doctrinal purity, but with no love in your heart, if you're numb to the alarming human suffering statistics, if you truly don't care about your neighbor and their eternal status, if you're tired or bored or lost or lack purpose and direction and clarity, if you listen to any of that and you think, yeah, well, some of that's me or that one's me or those are me, listen, you've settled. You've settled for less than what Jesus has come to give you. You've been missing out on life to the fullest, real and better life, better than you can ever imagine, as some translations say of this passage in John 10.10. You are missing out on abundant life that Jesus has for you. Jesus invites you to a better way, to a better life. He invites you to embrace the adventure 
of following him. Because you recognize and realize, man, that's the only way when I embrace the adventure of following Jesus, that's the only way I'm going to experience the abundant life Jesus came to give me. Man, why wouldn't you want the exceeding, abundant, and glorious, and victorious life in Jesus? Why wouldn't you want that? Because that's what our Savior offers us. Now, there are some weights and anchors that hold us back from experiencing life to the fullest in our lives. It, it holds us back from, ex, but from what Jesus has for us, and you see that oftentimes in our reactions to our circumstances and to the pain in our life and to the trials in our life. Our typical responses to the difficulties and challenges that come our way, they often tear us up and tear us down and tear us apart, and they wreck us. And Jesus says, I offer a better way. I offer a better way when you embrace the adventure of following me and you dive deep into a relationship with me. That will end up affecting the way you see the world. It'll affect the way you see what happens in your life. Of course, of course, you and I are going to experience the highs and lows of life, right? But when you go after Jesus... When you stay connected to the vine, to use some Jesus language, when he gave us that image of stay connected to the vine, when you put Jesus front and center in your life, when you put his mission and his purpose front and center in your life, it doesn't matter what the world throws at you. It just doesn't. In fact, Paul said it this way. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, he said, be joyful always. Say the word always. always. Be joyful what? always. He said, Paul said in Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord when? Always. always. And then Paul says, I just want to make sure you caught it, so I'm going to say it again. He says, rejoice. How could he say that? How could Paul say to rejoice in the Lord always, to be joyful always? It's because he knew. He knew from firsthand experience the contrast between uh, experiencing abundant life in Jesus and what it was like to pursue life outside of Jesus. He was one in whom the devil was doing a great job of robbing him and destroying him and killing him. He was religious. He was as religious as anybody. But the devil was wrecking him. But some of you know the story. When Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, and when he went all in with Jesus, when he embraced the great adventure of following Jesus, his life was radically changed, radically transformed. Sure, life stunk for Paul circumstantially. He went through what you and I can only imagine going through. His life circumstantially stunk on multiple occasions, as it does for us. But Paul knew in Christ alone, in Christ, bless you, in Christ alone, there is abundant living. In Christ alone, there is abundant life, exceedingly greater life than the world offers. And as Paul tried to pursue life to the fullest that only Jesus can provide, you know what happened to all his pain? It was put in the proper place. It didn't go away. But it was put in the proper place. He had a new perspective. And he embraced joy. 
and he embraced joy in every season in his life. And I'll just say this, one of the primary evidences or one of the primary fruit of a Jesus follower experiencing the abundant life, it's having the joy of the Lord in your life. If you want to know, hey man, am I experiencing abundant life? Do you have the joy of the Lord in your life? Nothing else even comes close. Because Jesus says, I'm going to give you something, and it's, it's an abundant life. It's an overflowing life, and that includes the joy of the Lord. In John chapter 15, it's an incredible passage, and Jesus is talking to his disciples and talking about him being the vine and stay connected to him. And he says, when you do that, and verse 10, when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And then Jesus says this. He says, I have told you these things. Everything I just talked about, remaining in me and staying connected and obeying my commandments. He says, I've told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Jesus says, I've given it to you. I've given you the recipe. I've shown it, you what it looks like. And if you live in that way, you, Jesus says, you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. Somebody say overflow. overflow. Man, overflow. Your joy is going to overflow in your life. You remain in Jesus, which is to say you stay connected to him. You stay close to him. You have a relationship with him. Jesus says you will be filled with his joy. And it's an overflowing joy. It's an abundance of joy in your life. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. He said, even though you don't see him now, you believe, or some translations say you trust in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You see, regardless of what you're going through, you can embrace the joy of the Lord. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says, in all our affliction... I am overflowing with joy. One translation says, my joy knows no bounds. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, they are being tested by many troubles, and they are poor. Maybe you can relate to that. You have troubles, and you're poor, but they're filled with an abundant joy, which is overflowed with rich generosity. And then a passage you might be familiar with, maybe you've memorized it in James chapter 1, verse 2, where James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of various kinds. Do you want to thrive? Do you want to thrive? And not, amen, and not just, amen, and not just survive. Man, then embrace joy. Embrace the joy of the Lord because the abundant life, life to the fullest in Jesus, is a joy-filled life. And I got to tell you, I've known many people over the years, and as I look out across the room, and, and it's some of you, where you thrive in the midst of your adversity, and I see in you, and you have that inexpressible joy. It's like you can't even describe it. And it comes out in ways you don't even know. And when you are full of the joy of the Lord, even in the midst of the trials, the circumstances, the pain, and the difficulty, I want to tell you that oftentimes is one of your greatest witnesses as a Jesus follower. What do I mean by that? Well, people are always curious. How in the world you can have a steadfast, resolute determination and a quiet strength, even in the midst of your pain and suffering? People are curious about that. And they're like, how are you so calm? Or how are you, 
so full of joy. They'll say it in different ways. And for those who understand this, who are experiencing the joy of the Lord and abundant life in Christ, they just say, man, my hope and my faith and my trust, it's in Jesus. It's not in the doctors. It's not in the medication. It's not in the schooling. It's not in the money. It's not in any of those things. It's in Jesus. And man, he just fills me with his peace and his joy and his contentment. And when people respond that way uh, and say that, somebody looks at them and says, man, I want that in my life. How do I get that? Ding, 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 ding. Now's your opportunity to share your testimony and to share Jesus with them. The joy of the Lord is one of your greatest uh, witnesses to your testimony. So I ask you, do you have the joy of the Lord? In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, it says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Somebody shout strength. Strength. It's your strength. What about you? Because if I'm just being real, the reality is far too many Christians are just too uptight. They just are. Man, they're wound too tight. And they don't experience the joy of the Lord. They don't experience life to the fullest in Jesus. And they're crushed by their circumstances. And they spend more time making issues out of non-issues. And they turn something minor into something major. They major in the minors. And they get sidetracked. And they get off mission. In fact, Jesus made it clear why the devil oftentimes has victory in our lives and causes us to miss out on their full and abundant life in Jesus. And this is Jesus speaking to the church in Ephesus, and he says to them in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, but I have this complaint against you. I want you to imagine Jesus knocking on your door. You open the door, and you say, oh, man, it's Jesus. Hey, Jesus, what's up? And he says, hey, hello, I just want to tell you I got this complaint against you. Like sometimes that doesn't factor into our image of Jesus, does it? But Jesus said, I have this complaint against you. And you think, okay, Jesus doesn't seem to have a complaint against us about many things, so what, what is it? He says, you don't love me or each other as you did at first. A translation that maybe you've heard before, if you've read this verse before, a translation that maybe you're familiar with is, you have left your first love. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. Jesus says, man, you left. You lost your first love. You don't love me like you did when you first experienced my grace and my love and my forgiveness. You remember that? When you were all in and you talked about me and you praised God and you were in the word and you were soaking me up and you were so grateful that you would receive life and salvation and you're not there anymore. And you haven't been connected to me and you aren't embracing joy and the adventure of following me like you did at first. And so consequently, you are missing out on the abundant life in Jesus. The life, Jesus says, that I have for you. How does that happen? How did they get there? How do we get there? How do we abandon our first love in Jesus? Well, I can tell you it's a drift. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a drift. As we take tiny step by tiny step away from Jesus and into religion. 
Now, I just we can use religion in all sorts of ways. Right now, I'm just using it more in a negative sense. It can be used in a positive sense. But when I use it in this sense, I'm saying we drift away to, from Jesus and we drift towards a religious life. And a religious life, what is that? That's for oftentimes, it's people who learn how to do church. It's the people who learn how to do Christianity. And so they look the right way. They speak the right way. They, they outwardly, they, even, they love Jesus. So they have the appearance of somebody who, oh man, they must be the strong Christian, but their hearts are far from God. They've drifted from God. And so Jesus says to them, he says to us, turn back to him. Embrace the adventure of following Jesus In fact, Jesus reminded us, what did he say? He said, what's most important? What's the greatest priority in your life? Mark chapter 12, Jesus said, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's where it starts, it's where it ends, that's where everything is, that's where our relationship is all about. Because Jesus says it's all about your heart. Don't get sidetracked into a, quote, religious life getting wrapped up with everything around Jesus, but drifting away from Jesus, your first love. I think there's three simple ways that it's described, or three simple words that describe it best in the Bible. Mark chapter 3, verse 14, it says this, and this is something I've read many times, and I just drift through it. I don't even think about it, but it grabbed me. And it says this, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him. Jesus came to be with us, to be with him. He didn't call us to a host of rules and commandments and regulations to follow. That's an outflow of loving Jesus. First and foremost, Jesus called you to be with him. That's where it all starts. Everything else in our life flows out of being with him. Do you take that time each and every day to be with him, to be in the word of God, to to talk to God, to seek his will and to seek his way? Jesus is the only one who can give you abundant life, life to the fullest. He's the only one. And it's a better life than you've ever dreamed of. And while it's available to every single person on planet Earth, it's only experienced by those who choose to be with him. Jesus wants nothing more but to have a special, close, connected, intimate relationship with you. And he knows that that, you have that and you will experience abundant life. You have that opportunity right now today not just to survive and barely get by and fail to thrive like my son did for the first year of his life, but you have an opportunity to thrive. Why wouldn't you take it? So let's embrace joy and the adventure of following Jesus. Your life, I can tell you this, it won't be boring. I can tell you this, you won't end up being overcome by the devil and you will be filled with passion and purpose. So are you ready? Are you ready to say, Jesus, I'm coming to you, and I want to live and experience life to the fullest in you. If you're ready, we're going to pray about that now. Let's pray. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening. 
and we hope you join us for our next episode.